0: Get inspired
1: and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents... NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
2: Hello, thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice weekly podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And today, my guest is Zach Venegas. He's the chairman and CEO of Helix TCS, which is the parent company of Biotrack THC, the Cannabis Wholesale Market and Helix Digital and Physical Security Services. Welcome to the show, Zach. Good to have you.
3: Thank you very much for having me, Bethany. I appreciate it.
2: For sure. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, Let's uh, let's hear more about your background and where you come from in the industry, what you were doing before you got involved in this fast-growing cannabis industry and movement.
3: Sure, um, so I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, I, I started out professionally as a, as a soldier. I'm an army guy um, and I graduated from West Point many years ago mm. um, and that's always relevant because that informed my decision later on to then go into banking and the type of banking that I focused on was in the Middle East. I was a, a JP Morgan banker out of, out of Switzerland and Bahrain focused on largely on the Gulf and the Middle East and then I left to start my own private equity firm with my partner, Scott Ogre, who's our current CFO, and him and I have been partners really since business school. We both went to NYU together. We went to J.P. Morgan as interns together and full-times together, and I once said to him in business school, um, one day I'm going to start my own investment firm, and you're going to be the first guy to join me, and I think he said, you know, sure, and it actually (laughs) happened. Um, So fast forward uh, many years, and uh, we were uh, frontier market investors. So we were about 50-50 between entrepreneurship, starting and building our own companies and investing via uh, venture capital or uh, private equity. So we did that for a good number of years and we had good success. Um, we were, you know, we did things like the first internet service provider in Iraq, um, all the way to digital advertising in Romania. And so um, that really occupied our time for about 15, 16 years. And then um, I had just come back to the States from uh living in South Africa. We were doing a lot of things in Africa at that time. And uh we kinda took some time to be to kinda uh get off the, the being abroad trail to be nearer to family as my folks got older. And um, we started to look at cannabis. A, a friend of ours, who I had actually known from Dubai, um, you know, told us about was, what he was doing in cannabis, and we started to look at it. And lo and behold, cannabis is a frontier market, just like all the other ones we've been in for so many years, um, with the special added advantage of, you know, we didn't have to risk, uh, um, you know, malaria and or being beheaded uh, to get uh, to the market and to access the opportunities. So we thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and so we started to examine the market and study it the way we study frontier markets and decided that uh, cannabis was something as an industry that was here to stay. We felt that um, there was going to be a lot of inefficiencies in infrastructure, capital formation and, and some other things. And so we decided to, t- to take the plunge.
2: Gotcha. Wow. That is, that's a really interesting background. I think you mentioned like eight countries just in, in that description of what you've been to. That's fantastic. And all kinds of economies involved in that as well. Um, so you're back in the United States primarily now.
3: Yes. So since we started the firm, uh, just about three years ago. Uh, so we do, I do do a little bit, uh, and actually more now, I do do a bit of international business development for the cannabis industry, and that's picked up a lot for us this year. Um, but we're focused here on what's going on in the United States and Canada primarily. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, although I do, as I mentioned, do think that 2019 and beyond will see a lot of activity internationally. So again, we're very excited for that because we're, we have a very strong network um, in all the places where cannabis seems to be taking off in different aspects, whether that's you know, um, growing, whether that's you know, supply side stuff in Latin America and I think Africa, or whether that's value add products um, in Europe um, and beyond, We're, we already know lots of people that are starting to sit up and take notice of those markets from our previous experience.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully the. US can can get its federal uh, gears moving here so we don't fall behind uh, behind these other countries like Canada. Um, so that answered my question as to how you moved into cannabis for the business side of it. Um, do you happen to have like a personal story or a passion for cannabis or uh, as we like to say a relationship with the plant?
3: So um, I'm pretty much a teetotaler, so I've never had a beer or smoked a joint, uh, if I can say that, which is not a popular position to have in the industry, I think sometimes. But my I I have a sort of different view of it in the sense that um, you know I'm from New York uh, and I'm dating myself, but you know I'm born in the '70s, so that means you know New York and New York City in the '80s, which is you know the big bag drug time, crack, and all these terrible things. And so for me, the way I look at cannabis is. You know, if if we lived through all of those things, um, which were very bad things, um, you know, it wasn't like cannabis was a big part of any of those things. Like in, in my area, in, you know, I'm from Brooklyn and Queens and New York City, so um, that's ground zero for every kind of bad drug event you can have. Um, you know, it, it, cannabis was not part of that, so the, I don't have the sort of this... Uh, I think manufactured fear of cannabis mm. is a horrific drug is number one. And number two, having lived abroad for many, many years and uh, being an American myself, both abroad and in the United States, you know, societies live with, um, you know, enough alcohol fatalities of women and children and, you know, innocent people to, to make up a small war every year. And if mm-hmm. that's socially acceptable and we're okay with that, then, you know, to me uh, trying to be a little bit morally, consistent and not be an absolute hypocrite, um, then I, I don't, to me, cannabis is just something that's part of society, just like alcohol is, It's something that people consume.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: I don't think alcohol has any massive uh, uh, therapeutic benefits where you've seen, you know, with our own <laughs> eyes, you know, people with terrible seizures no longer have them or people with, you know, life ending illnesses recover using this plant so if we can accept uh you know um all the domestic abuse and fatalities that go with alcohol with no therapeutic Mm -hmm. upside for me i'm very okay with um you know cannabis Mm -hmm. is used as a recreational substance but it also has all these tremendous uh medical benefits that everybody now is starting to realize so i'm very okay with it but but i am not a um a connoisseur of cannabis by any stretch.
2: Sure. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, cannabis has been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and it's probably here to stay, so we may as well make it safe and regulated and and have some laws around it to protect the consumers. So Right. All, all right. So you are the chairman and CEO of Helix TCS. Correct. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that's the parent company of Biotrack THC which many people know is a uh, seed to sale um, tracking platform for the cannabis industry used in certain states across the U.S. Um, tell me more about that, like the structure of the company. Uh, I think you mentioned you launched it just a few years ago. Correct. And and more, just more about what's going on there.
3: Sure. So, um, Helix TCS was the was originally launched to focus on uh, logistics and security within the cannabis industry. But the reason we named it TCS was always, you know, Helix, TCS, TCS standing for technology compliance and security. Mm -hmm. So from day one, we always knew that we were going to have a much larger integrated technology services, technology and services platform. So our experience in Frontier Markets showed us very clearly that in Frontier Markets, integrated operators win because when you have inconsistent regulations, inconsistent enforcement of regulations, um, difficulty forming, uh, difficulty having efficient capital formation and deployment within an industry, if it's very difficult to pick one single vertical and other than growing, let's say, or retailing, let's say, sure. and know that that's gonna grow. And you're not sure how efficiently these different businesses will roll out. So when you're an integrated provider, if you can provide one, two, three, four, five services for one client, one, it simplifies simplifies and strengthens their competitive position, the client. And two, it simplifies and strengthens your competitive position as an ancillary service provider. Because whereas, for instance, in the state of Colorado, from essentially one day to the next, it was decided that publicly traded companies couldn't do certain things in the transport space. And so Mm -hmm. we had to hive off our transport operations and then cut that loose as a, it's separate standalone company. And that was that if that had been all we'd been doing, it would have been very difficult for us. Right. Um, but because we had other lines of business, we very efficiently hiked off that business and left and, you know, set it free. And that was that um, while at the same time growing other lines of business. So that helps us survive until cannabis is uh, more normally regulated and acts like a regular market in its development. So that's, that's, that's how we, we formulated the company as essentially like the GE of cannabis for that reason mm-hmm. and then as we execute we are in software and compliance we are in transport we are in, in you know guarding meaning uh, physical guarding we're in monitoring meaning uh, remote guarding or digital guarding um, we also have one of the two oldest uh, we actually are the oldest one in the state of Colorado wholesale market called Cannabis. and so that we'll start rolling that and in, in out in other markets as well so Um, all those different market verticals make us a stronger competitor as an ancillary and then also allow our clients to get more done with one service provider and that allows them to spend less money and less labor uh, getting those services, right? And so um, that formulation of venture business in this environment, we find to be the strongest one. Um, And then, you know, 10 years from now, I'm sure we'll see hyper-specialization, but- Uh, Not quite yet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a real quick commercial break and then we'll come back and chat some more with Zach Venegas of Helix TCS. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. <laughs> back.
4: approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation.
0: Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process.
4: The 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo returns back to downtown Miami, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency. Learn more on sponsorship and expo floor opportunities at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on another jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, a bustling expo hall, plus our can't-miss networking mega-yacht event. Join us in Miami, August 2nd and 3rd for the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss the boat. Log on to usccexpo.com and learn more today.
1: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice podcast on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm talking with Zach Venegas of Helix TCS. So, Zach, we're starting to see The cannabis movement expand to other countries, as we talked about earlier, and it seems the same domino effect that we have seen in the United States the last few years as well. So the potential for international companies to get involved is becoming imminent. Um, You have a lot of experience in in the global market outside of cannabis, so now thinking about cannabis and the global market, what do you think that's going to look like? What are your predictions?
3: So um, I think the, the the most straightforward one, which everyone already knows, is I think it's no great insight there, is that we're going to see production move to uh, places that have strong comparative advantage uh, to where it's being grown now for U.S. and Canadian consumption, right? So um, we grow all over the United States and all the legal states. Canada grows everywhere in Canada. But obviously, there's other countries in the world that have you know, the right climate, the right soil, where it's just a cheaper cost of production. And there'll be some, there'll be, I think, a substantial movement to those places for production once it becomes internationally normalized as a trade item. Um, so that's, we already see that happening and we're preparing for it and we're participating in that as well. Um, I think within the United States, I think there's some interesting, nuance to that, where if, if we talk about, let's say, First Nations, as they say in Canada, or Native Americans, as we say in the United States, I think there'll be some interesting um, developments there where uh, mm. there's subsidized power and or water um, in, in some of these uh, locations. And I think once it comes off uh, Schedule 1, there'll be, I, I don't want to say an explosion, but I think there'll be a, a substantial uh, pickup in 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 um, grow in grows in those locations. Uh, Jurisdictions, and you know, Uh whether that's First Nations in Canada or here in the United States. So that, and because they're their own nations, technically, that is a sort of almost a form of international trade, right? So I think there'll be that. um, And then obviously there'll be Latin America and Africa um, for, I think, large scale grow operations. Um, And, and, but I think also you'll see other countries, I think Germany and Switzerland come to mind very quickly, where there's substantial development as there there's, have been in Israel, but not as much on the biotech side as, as Israel. Um, in terms of extraction and some branding, uh, branded products, I think there'll be a lot of that going on um, a, as well. So it'll be internationally driven, not just on the cost of production, but also on where... Other countries are in their develop, retail development, their merchandising development, and their biotech development. So mm. we'll see those all in stages, uh, very similar to other markets. Once once the legal illegal conundrum is solved, yeah, we'll make that develop <laughs> uh, in a fairly predictable manner.
2: Man, we got to get over that hurdle. Just yeah, I mean, there's there's so many countries that um, really are looking for a new industry uh, as other industries. Um, merge or shrink um, so there's so much potential of course and, and to get more into, into that um, as far as your experience working in other countries around the world that maybe aren't as developed or sophisticated and, and how that compares to working with the more sophisticated or complicated uh, legal cannabis markets in the United States what are your thoughts around that
3: so, what I would say is, um, you're right. It's, it's definitely more complicated in the U.S. around certain aspects. So, for instance, general day to day work, I think, is greatly simplified or, or, or much less complicated here in the U.S., right? So, there's, there are some areas, uh, that I think, you know, that the, 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 um, the limbo status of cannabis makes more complicated. Um, but, the average day-to-day work is simplified here where where it gets more complicated is are things like capital formation um and scaling because Mm if so for instance if we were working let's just take an example in a place like congo if you if something is legal you have the right permits you scale just like you would in the united states yes it's a bit more difficult because you don't have as great of the infrastructure and things are a little bit more uh let's say um Uh, a little bit less developed to get things done quickly. And technology is not as good, but it's generally pretty straightforward. Um, Whereas in the US, we operate, let's say in Colorado, and we have a wholesale market here as to take a good example because the Colorado wholesale market is very clear. You have have licensed retailers, you have licensed growers, everybody knows what they have to do. And everyone knows that they must be licensed and regulatory compliant to participate. But now when you go to another state, let's say just pick any state, New York state, for example, medical only. Um, so what does that mean uh, in New York state? Are the regulations the same? No, they're not. They're a bit different. So scaling becomes uh, difficult um, as the market. So you basically have to scale, you know, almost by municipality. Cause for example, even within the the great state of Colorado, you have different regulations in different parts of the states. Right. And so, so there, yeah. are, there are counties in Colorado that you can have cannabis uh, operations. So, that uh, makes it just as complicated as any uh, frontier market we've ever operated in. Um, and then you have the fear of, you know, the, the sort of back of your mind fear of uh, some sort of federal action, right? So mm-hmm. that's different as well, because anywhere we ever operated in a frontier market, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan or Romania, um, we were always 100% um, sure that we were in the right legal position and there was right. no legal uh, gray area. Because so it's pretty that,
2: much federal only. They don't have all the different states that the United States has with their state right. federal reconciliation issues, yeah.
3: Right, and and the and the political tradition of the United States is having very strong states' rights. It, it really is quite unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's some, I think Spain may have something similar. I think Spain may have a similar situation, um, but it's, it is really unique. And so it makes it quite complicated. Um, yeah. and and I would even say that there's some aspects of the cannabis industry because we have a strong legal system within states that encourage to some degree uh some some level of bad acting that doesn't exist in frontier markets because here in the U.S. if you're on a state level you know you do something bad then you'll get a lawyer that's sort of a I was very shocked at that a little bit as I lived most of my adult life outside the United States and so if you know if you're in Um, in Congo, you do something bad, you have a lot of things to worry about, Not least of which is lawyers, right? Mm. Because if you do bad things, then bad things can happen to you. So, uh, but one of the things that we found a little bit disappointing, I suppose, is that this is, there are some bad actors out there that, you know, they do something bad and don't uh, uh, behave appropriately and then go grab a lawyer. And we have a very strong legal system here, Mm. which is great, but at the same time, it also I think to some degree encourages some level of bad acting and I think that's bad for the cannabis industry as well.
2: Sure, I totally get that. Right. Um, so more about the, the global markets. We've seen Canada recently legalize for adult use. Now it seems Mexico seems to be prepared to legalize as well with the new president coming in, which puts the United States in a position where we are literally going to be sandwiched between two countries that are more advanced than us in as far as legalizing cannabis, and we're going to fall behind in the global market is kind of the idea if we don't get our butts in gear, which, which I alluded to earlier. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
3: So I think that we will be okay because I think the states are taking the lead in getting some things going. It's not very efficient, but right. I think it will allow us to do enough development to stay abreast. And then also, if you look at the other two countries that, you know, like you said, uh, uh, um, Canada and Mexico, those, they, they sort of give us a good, um, they light the way a bit in the sense that I think it's almost a sort of a moral imperative to say, look, how much longer are we gonna give uh, all this revenue to cartels and, and, uh, the black market, like how, and, and then, and then suffer all the negative impact of what they do with that money. So how long do we, how much longer do we want to continue to do that? Because Canada has not suffered any explosion and illegality or terrible results, um, uh, stemming from their cannabis legalization. It just hasn't happened. And I think the Mexicans are smart to do what they're doing because, uh, as a country that is more, uh, economically disadvantaged as compared to the United States, how much longer are they going to spend whatever they spend trying to stem uh, the tide of something that, you know, it's never going to end because Americans smoke cannabis, period. That's that's what it comes down to. So I think those two countries going first actually helps us because we see, look, nothing terrible really happened. Uh, You know, uh, the the Canadians did not become suddenly a narco state. So, right so then that allows you know rather fearful americans say look let's just get this right here's some lessons learned and because the states are developing will we i believe like in all things will will move to the front very quickly once we get going
2: yeah that's great all right we need to uh, take our last commercial break here and then we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation with zach from helix tcs stay tuned
1: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
0: The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
4: Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. Learn more at usccexpo.com.
1: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, and we're wrapping up our chat here with Zach Venegas, the chairman and CEO of Helix TCS. BioTrack, THC, Cannabase, the Wholesale Market, and Helix Digital and Physical Security Services. And I want to thank you for your membership with NCIA and your involvement, because all three of those companies I mentioned are members of NCIA. So it's greatly appreciated to have your presence and to have your contributions to the association and the industry as well. And uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing your, your various companies at our upcoming Seed to Sales show, which we're moving to Boston, Massachusetts, and that's taking place February 12th and 13th of 2019. Who 2019 already. Here we are. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> yeah. um, I also want, just want to share that uh, NCIA has some new event series coming up. Uh, many people are familiar with our Cannabis Caucus events. Uh, we will continue those in 2019 in five regions. Those kick off in March. We've also started a new series we're calling Industry Socials. Um, so in January, our West Coast tour, we will come to Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Las Vegas, Nevada, Salt Lake City, Utah is a city I I wasn't sure we would be going to so soon, but it's very exciting, Um, and Phoenix, Arizona as well. Uh, So information about those events are on our website under events. Um, If you're an NCIA member, it's actually included in your membership to attend these, uh, free registration, but remember to register. Please. Um, The industry socials will be a little bit more fun and relaxed than our Cannabis Caucus events, so come kick back uh, with your industry people. Um, Before we go, um, I did want to ask you another thinker question. Along the continuum of full adult use legalization and... The criminal market on the other end, where do you see us in the United States along that spectrum? Are we like, you know, if full adult legalization is a 10 and uh, an awful criminal market is a zero or one, where are we at?
3: So, uh, it's different for different states. I hate to give you that kind of a big answer, but it's different for different states. I think if we sort of smash it all together, pull an average, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say we're six to seven. um, Yeah. I think a lot more can be done to enhance you know uh, the revenue that states derive and therefore society derives from what's happening if we just kind of sort of get over the fear of um, you know hordes of drug dealers or whatever that people think negative is gonna happen you know every other kid um, you know using cannabis and then moving on to you know really terrible drugs like let's say you know Prescribe, you know, prescription opioids, right? Um, which is that we all know is the actual opposite direction, right? So,
2: An exit drug, not a gateway drug. Right,
3: so we know that, and, and look, I, again, as a person coming from a big city, right, I'm a New Yorker and all that good stuff, anyone who's lived in those places and been around communities that were seriously affected by drug use, like mine, knows it's common sense. We don't need studies. Everybody knows that, um, you know, a person that, uh, has an occasional, uh, joint is a person who has a, is the same as a person who has a glass of wine at dinner. There's no massive risk. There's no, none of this gateway stuff that everybody's always uh, talking about now. Um, you know, and so the faster we move down that continuum to some sort of responsible, um, use adult use, the the better it is for everyone. And, and I, I think, you know, I don't, think i personally would ever support cannabis being something that you buy the way you buy you know kool-aid or (laughs) a gallon of ice cream from the store i think it needs to be monitored and i think it needs to be controlled i I, i'm a big believer in that Um, but the sooner we get to deciding what that looks like and implementing it in a in a uh in a consistent and rational fashion which i think as americans relative to the world we're pretty good at right that i would say you know americans are a practical people and and uh pretty straightforward and, and not too much into self-deception um relative to other places right so if we can put those sort of national characteristics to use i think you know we get to a 10 um in the right form relatively quickly that's my hope anyway
2: yeah i'm right there with you Okay, well we have run out of time, but Zach, thank you so much for joining me on the show today and sharing some of your wisdom about the global market and where we're going.
3: I appreciate it, thank you very much for having me.
2: Great, and if anyone would like more information about NCIA or some of the events uh, I mentioned, visit thecannabisindustry.org and check out our events. If you want to learn more about the Seed to Sale Show in Boston, visit www.seedtosaleshow.com. Thanks everybody for tuning in and until next time on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice.